Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. Ed Hunt is back in the house. It's been a while. Uh, He's been away for a month. He's been having a good time. Ed has decided to travel the country a little bit and just i've enjoyed having brandon on i really have we've had a lot of great conversations out there but i've missed you ed yeah i miss you too alex i I mean i I miss talking football you know i'm i'm excited you know we're starting to get the season together we're getting the hall of fame speeches so let's go so the steelers i wanted to ask you this i mean are are they going to carry like four quarterbacks is that realistic I actually just think it makes sense. I think, I think you know, you got to think about the future of the quarterback position, and it might actually be on your roster, and you give yourself an extra chance. Number one, Ben is going to be on the roster. He's going to be your guy. And then you got Mason Rudolph, who's really the only guy who's signed past this year and may very well get a shot next year to be the guy and people aren't as excited about that and you know he struggled in early camp and so forth but you know he he is a guy who I give him like a 40% chance of being the guy after Ben I think it's like it's an experiment that I think they're going to give him a shot I do I, I don't know if you know they they need to draft a guy but you know they're they're giving some guys some opportunities and another one of those guys is Dwayne Haskins who's looked a lot better in camp You know, he didn't wow me in the preseason game. He didn't totally fall apart either. There's Haskins, and I I think it's worth using a roster spot for him. Sort of, I think Mason's the backup. I think Mason's kind of been in the fold, but you never know if you use him. And then Josh Dobbs, I mean, I just, I can't see trading Josh Dobbs again. Trading him like Belichick would, you know, just kind of like, you know, see you later. You know, he's been with this team for a few years. He's been back and forth. I don't know if he's the guy, but I think I think he's a guy who could definitely be, you know, a backup or, or, or you know, and he's been a backup or just some somebody who you want to keep around and not last year, but the year before that uh, backup quarterbacks matter. I mean, you know, the, you know, there was a time when Devlin Hodges was the option and then Mason Rudolph was the option. So really a backup quarterback. I mean, to say to say one guy's number one, one guy's the number two, and that's the only option. There's a clear number one, but the. A clear number two is not there. And, I mean, really, it's one roster spot more than they usually carry. It's insane carrying four quarterbacks, Ed. I mean, it's really preposterous. Backup quarterbacks matter, and I think we're finding this out with the Colts. Carson Wentz is out. And do the Colts have a viable option? Probably not. And they should bring back somebody like Phillip Rivers, at least for half of the season. But carrying four quarterbacks on a roster is just preposterous. It's not going to happen. The Steelers won't do it. I'm not sure they even carry a third quarterback. But I think Dobbs is a goner. There's no question about it because I think they've invested in Dwayne Haskins a little bit. They want to resurrect his career. And I also think that there's zero chance that Mason Rudolph is going to be the quarterback after Big Ben moves on because he has proven nothing. Nothing, when given the chance, when he was starting, uh, when Big Ben was out, I just think Rudolph has been a huge disappointment. I think he's still going to be the backup quarterback for this year, but I don't think he's going to get a chance to to sniff that starting quarterback job after Big Ben moves on. But I think they carry three guys, 
fourth guy is going to be out. I'm not sure they're ready to deploy Haskins, so I'm going to say it's Josh Dobbs that that is going to be a goner from this situation. It's just you have to carry other positions, Ed. I mean, other positions matter, like an offensive lineman, like an extra defensive lineman. You can't make a case that you you're not going to carry those positions, and but you're going to carry four quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's insane. Did you see that punt by Presley Harvin? Yeah, he's he's a big old boy that just has quite a leg. He, he kind of just intrigues me. I mean, he could be a great punter, and then the fact is, is that he's got that big body. I wonder, you know, you could use him kind of as that like big bodied special teamer, maybe on like a few. I mean, maybe like you could use him on kickoffs or something. I don't, I don't know. And I mean, maybe you don't want your punter to get hurt or something like that. But he's kind of a guy that intrigues me. You know, he's a guy that can knock somebody out because he's built like a linebacker. All right. So when one of those punts is going to be taken and he's going to face that return man, like they're one on one, I'd be scared. You know, for that return guy, you know, Presley Harvin is going to is going to tackle me because I don't want to be tackled by the big old boy. I really wouldn't. I mean, not only does he have a big leg, but he's got a big old body. I mean, you don't see many 260 pound punters or kickers out there. Kind of reminds me of Sebastian Janikowski who kicked for so long in the NFL with the Raiders. He was a kicker. They kind of have a similar body out there. But Presley Harvin is, is definitely a weapon, and they're they're going to use him to, to the best of their abilities uh, during this season. Hall of Fame inductees, uh, the class of 2021. Uh, we had a lot of great people that were enshrined. Drew Pearson, the wide receiver. Tom Flores from the Raiders. John Lynch, the the great safety with the Bucks and the Broncos. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, the wide receiver of the Detroit Lions. Alan Fanica, all-pro offensive lineman for the Steelers. Charles Woodson, the Heisman Trophy winner from Michigan that uh, carved out quite a career there with the Raiders and then the Packers. And then we have to talk about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning will forever be in everyone's heart. Whoever saw him play, whether you were a kid or a teenager or a grown man, because he revolutionized the quarterback position. He was like an offensive coordinator in the huddle behind center because he was calling his own plays. He was reading the defense. He knew what was going on better than most of the coaches out there on the sideline. We've never seen that before, and that's the way that Peyton Manning revolutionized the game forever because we've never seen that before, doing audibles and calling out Omaha and getting his offense in the right play and in the right position. He called so many of them, and he's had a great career. He won a Super Bowl with the Colts, and then he moved on to the Denver Broncos and, and won a Super Bowl there in his twilight years. What a great career. And not only was he a great player, Ed, but he was even a better person. I've heard stories, you know, being in Colorado about, you know, people who've interacted with Peyton Manning. And, I mean, it seems like the guy who you see on TV is the guy who, who you know, is he might even be a better person, you know, not in front of the cameras. Um, you know, and he's always been a guy who could who could laugh at himself, too. I mean, I mean, there was a time where he was, you know, selling insurance, I mean, 
through commercials and, you know, he was doing every which way commercial and he's just a smart guy. I mean, like the way he, I mean, I mean, there was a time in his career where he wasn't, he wasn't really a great quarterback, but he, he, he could run the offense and it was like between him and Brock Osweiler, they bring him in the game and, you know, he deserves some, you know, he was a big part of that Super Bowl. And I mean, th- those weren't his best days. And then there were years before where, I mean, he was absolutely dominating as a quarterback. I mean, he was, I mean, in his prime of his career, he was dominant. And, but you know, one memory that I, I have of Peyton Manning and gosh, it, it was like, I remember being a kid and Peyton Manning was, you know, he was a rookie for the Colts and he just gets destroyed. You know, he, he looked terrible. I don't know. It was just like, bunch of picks and just the feeling was like you know what he made those mistakes but he's still going to be a great quarterback and I just you know I, I mean being a draft guy and just you know I mean a lot a lot of it is you know I do my draft evaluation and then I kind of watch them their first year and that's kind of what I think they're going to be is you know their first year but with Peyton Manning you just you just knew <laughs> what he was going to be and he, he ended up being everything that he was supposed to be. He's a great person and he, he will be a great face of the NFL. Whatever he wants to do, whether he wants to be a commentator or a commissioner or a GM, whatever interests him, he deserves it. Yeah, he's just, he's a great person and a <laughs> heck of a football player who just, who made the quarterback position more fun and more entertaining. And Ed is talking about, you know, his rookie season. And that wasn't a very good team when he was drafted by the Colts, number one overall. I think they went 3-13 and 13 his first season before they drafted Edgerin James. He threw for 26 touchdowns, but he also threw 28 picks. After that, those interception numbers just went down and had a Hall of Fame career. I mean, my favorite memory of Peyton Manning is all those duels that he had with Tom Brady in the playoffs. And a lot of the times, obviously, Brady came out on top because the New England Patriots were a better team or a better defensive team. The Colts were like an offensive juggernaut. But I really appreciated that. It was always down to the fourth quarter, and you felt like you were never out when you had Peyton Manning under center. It doesn't matter if he threw two picks in the first half. You knew that he was going to come out firing in the fourth quarter down by like two or three touchdowns. I remember when he came back against the Tampa Bucks, like in the fourth quarter, I think they were down by like 21 points and they came back and won the game. I mean, that was also a, a really fun memory. I think they came back with like five or six minutes left on the clock. Peyton Manning will always be in our hearts. Uh, Obviously, the Tennessee Titans have approached him about running, you know, the football operations, the front office. He declined. You know, a few networks have approached him about being a sportscaster, and I think he would be excellent. I mean, kind of on the Tony Romo level, John Gruden level, even more. I think he would be able to show his mind even more to the regular person that doesn't, like, follow football religiously like you and I do, Ed. And there's been some rumors that maybe he's the next commissioner. I'm not saying that Roger Goodell is ready to go, but maybe like next decade when Goodell stops, steps away, Peyton Manning might take over. And I think, you know, you know that people would just love that. I mean, football players would love that. The fans would love that. And I mean, he would just be like a godlike figure running the NFL. 
I think I think commissioner is something he can do. I mean, it's just a matter of is that what he wants to do? Is that what his you know what's in his heart? You know, he's done a lot of different things and he's got an, an immense talent. And someone told me this, and I don't know if it's true. Maybe you can. Someone was saying that he was the valedictorian at the University of Tennessee. I'm not sure about that, but he was a very smart guy. Like he had a, a very high GPA, and he was obviously has a huge IQ, and maybe that's true. Uh, he was definitely a guy that was carrying a, a very high GPA when when he was with the Bulls out there. Where do you have him ranked, Ed? Like Tom Brady is number one. Joe Montana has to be number two, just because of what he was able to accomplish. I mean, didn't put up the huge numbers because it was just a, a different era, but he went four for four in Super Bowls, and that has to matter. Do you have Peyton Manning number three? I mean, you've got, like, John Elway. You've got Dan Marino. You know, you've got Drew Brees. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got Brett Favre. Would you put Peyton Manning number three on that list? I would, and I, I mean, I mean, the argument against what I, me putting him number three would be, well, you know, he he didn't win as many Super Bowls, which you could say about Dan Marino too. You know, he won as many as Elway, but I I think that the difference was is that when he was in Indianapolis, he was the guy, and he was carrying that team. And frankly, yeah, they had Marvin Harrison, they had Adrian James, but he 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 was still always the guy. He was always the reason that that team was what it was. And when he came to Denver, I mean, he totally changed the culture. I mean, you could tell Denver fans were watching the games more. Um, you know, he was exciting. I mean, you know, Demarius Thomas probably owes him a steak dinner, although I'm sure he doesn't need a free steak dinner anymore. You know, the career that he had, I mean, it's, for me, it's easily number three. And I mean, I, I have to say, you know, being my age, I, I, I didn't really see Dan Marino play. Dan Marino was great, but Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Elway was great for the Broncos. I mean, he he carried them, and he did he did have a great swan song at the end of his career. And he was a high effort guy. You know, we, it's like when we go to the Senior Bowl, right? And you watch the Senior Bowl coverage, and you know, we talked about Baker Mayfield. I remember the talk about Baker Mayfield, and they said, you know what? This guy has the it factor, right? That was the favorite thing about ba- Baker Mayfield at the time. That's what Manning had that no one else had, right? I believe the Steelers passed on Dan Marino because of his drug habit. Alleged. I don't think there was ever a reason not to draft Peyton Manning. Well, Bill Polian, who was the GM of the Colts, and he made that pick, he was the one that selected Peyton Manning number one overall. Uh, he made the right choice. But even Bill Polian has gone on TV and you know specials that they do. That It was a close call. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, a lot of people in the Colts building were pushing for Ryan Leaf because he had a stronger arm because, you know, he was the it kid. You know, he had a great he was coming off a great year at Washington State and they went to uh, the Rose Bowl against Michigan. And Ryan Leaf looked like the prototype quarterback. Peyton didn't have the strongest arm. He had the IQ. He had the accuracy. You know, he started a lot of games at Tennessee since his freshman season. But that was a much closer call than people think. And it's always tough. I mean, when you've got the draft and, you know, you have two guys that are close on your board. And I take the hat off to Bill Polian for making the right choice. And obviously we know where Ryan Leaf is right now. And Peyton Manning just got enshrined into Hall of Fame. We wish him all the best. I'm, I'm sure whatever career path that he picks, 
it's going to be the right one. He's made a lot of money. Uh, he's, you know, been around the NFL. I just can't imagine like Peyton Manning being away from the game. He has to be involved somehow. Again, you know, whether it's GM, president, commentator, whatever, commissioner, I just want him to be around the game because you can learn so much from him. He has a vast amount of knowledge and he can definitely share it with the public, with the players, with the organizations out there. And I wish him all the best. Speaking of quarterbacks, our favorite quarterback in the past couple of years, I would say, that has we had a lot of debate on. I want to remind our listeners that Ed and I, we hated this quarterback coming out of college. We did. We despised him. We didn't understand how he was he was picked in the top ten. We didn't understand why the Buffalo Bills made that trade to select him at number seven. We basically swore by it. He was just not accurate. He was inconsistent. He didn't make good decisions. But Josh Allen has developed, has grown. You know, he took all that raw ability and all that coaching from the Buffalo Bills and has accepted it and has become one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He's 24 years old, and he got a huge contract. He signed an eight-year contract worth $258 million. Can you imagine that? I mean, he gets over like $100 million guaranteed. He gets a lot of money up front. It's not like the Patrick Mahomes deal. Mahomes deal kind of pushes him into the latter years. Josh Allen gets more money in the first few years of his deal. When we look back into that draft, the 2018 NFL draft, you and I couldn't have imagined that in a few years, Josh Allen would sign this mega deal. I did kind of say, I mean, not not to say that I was right, but I did say this is kind of a boomer bust pick. I mean, that, that that was a stance I took on a podcast. I mean, there there was the potential there. I mean, the, the arm strength, the, you know, the personality, uh, the running ability. I mean, for what his body type is, he's actually a pretty good runner. There was that kind of like, well, you know, best case scenario, who is he? You know, in the same way that Drew Locke had those prototypical skills, that, and I don't think he's really ever going to turn the corner, Josh Allen did. He did. He, again, he became more accurate, and that that's something that just doesn't happen to quarterbacks that often. You know, if you're not accurate in college, you don't all of a sudden become more accurate in the NFL. Only a few guys, very select few, have done that. Maybe a guy like Drew Brees raised his accuracy percentage a hell of a lot when he got to the NFL, and Josh Allen has done the same. Again, he's put in the hard work, and he's definitely earned it. And now the Buffalo Bills are one of the favorites in the NFL, or at least in the AFC, to compete with the Chiefs and the Browns. Who would have thought that? I mean, again, the, the Bills believed in him. They developed him. And, you know, the raw tools and ability definitely went a long way. And he has outplayed Baker Mayfield. He has outplayed Sam Darnold. He's outplayed Josh Rosen. He has outplayed Lamar Jackson. He is the best quarterback out of this draft. And, um, again, the, the sky is the limit for this kid. And it, just imagine this, Ed. When he turns 32, he's going to be eligible to sign another big contract. You know, he's just set up beautifully here. He signed an eight-year deal. He's not going to be an old man. By quarterback standards, I mean, he could play up until he's 40. 
So he can sign another seven or eight year deal and he's going to sign another mega deal. And that, that's what makes this more preposterous out there. His, his agent did a, a heck of a job here and uh, the bills had to cave in and gave him a big contract. And now he's going to be able to cash in in about eight years once again. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Southern Wyoming is a little bit, it's not the most economically developed part of the United States. Um, and the weather is not particularly great. It's very cold. And to be honest with you, one of the, the reasons that people live in that area is because there's not a lot of people. It's kind of an introvert's paradise. You know, with him making this kind of money, I can't imagine, you know, having been up to Laramie a few times, I can't imagine this not being kind of a rags to riches story. I mean, where he was probably living in college to where he, you know, he's living now and he's going to buy a great house in Buffalo and stuff like that. And this is one of the fun parts of football is when you see these guys go from rags to riches. It just, I still struggle with the fact that, you know, Josh Allen, when we're talking about him and, and you look at his career and the, step forward that he took in year three i mean he's a top three quarterback in the nfl right now i mean he's up there behind like patrick mahomes and and aaron Rodgers. and i struggle with that ed it pains me to say that josh allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl like i said i i had so much dislike for josh allen coming out of that draft and you and I do a really good job scouting players. I mean, we put on the film and we study them. You know, we find out their strengths and weaknesses. And Josh Allen had so many things wrong with him. So many things wrong with him. And the most important thing is he was just not an accurate quarterback. And I thought that was going to be his downfall in the NFL. I was wrong. I can admit it. And I've mentioned this a couple of times on the previous podcast. Josh Allen just went to work. Put in, you know, the hard work in the film room, on the field. Good for him. Good for him when you can just go from a raw prospect to signing this huge-ass deal. Him and Patrick Mahomes now are kind of the the it kids, you know, the younger generation that is going to carry the day when, you know, Tom Brady, Big Ben, and Aaron Rodgers step away. The future is bright at the quarterback position, and these two are basically at the forefront of this movement. We have a lot of young quarterbacks to get excited about, right? I, th- I thought a few years back, I was like, God, when these older guys, when they move along, when they move away from the game, where are we going to go? Where are the young guys that are going to take over? You know, we, we see quite a few young players that are ready to revolutionize the quarterback position. I mean, definitely. And I mean, I have to think, you know, with, with looking at some of these guys, these boomer bust prospects is that's got to be in my mind is they show all the tools, I mean, to believe in them. And, and, and that's really one of the ways that he's changed things. And Buffalo is not like the, it's not a major city. It's not a major, it's a great football town, but it's, you know, and they support their Sabres really well. Um, but you know, this is, this is really a, you know, an opportunity for the city of Buffalo to grow, <laughs> you know, in the way that University of Alabama has grown as a university, I think this is a great opportunity for, if you're the mayor of Buffalo, you probably want to buy Josh Allen a steak dinner. In the early 1990s, the Buffalo Bills were the talk of the town. They ruled the AFC. 
and that's when they had Marv Levy as the head coach, Jim Kelly as the quarterback. They had Thurman Thomas at running back, Andre Reid at wide receiver, and they always went to the Super Bowl but lost to the Dallas Cowboys a couple of times. They went to the Super Bowl four times, and they, they weren't able to close the deal. Now they're back on top again, and they have the quarterback, and they, they seem to have a complete team. They have a good defense, and it's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on this development because, yeah, the future is really bright in Buffalo. You're absolutely right, Ed. Let's stick with the topic of the NFL, and um, we're going to go with an interesting one here. We're going to try to put a spin on it. Obviously, we've got the favorites for the Super Bowl. I think everybody knows them. I mean, it's it's the Bucks, the Chiefs. You know, those teams are going to be vying for the for the Super Bowl once again. But we wanted to throw out this topic out here, and we wanted to talk about a dark horse candidate, not a team that everybody's talking about. Kind of a long shot, but has an ability to, you know, wind up in the Super Bowl in, in 2022. We don't know what our choices are. So I'm going to try to guess. Ed is going to try to steer me in the right direction. I'm going to get three guesses into which team he thinks is the dark horse Super Bowl team. So, Ed, uh, let's play this guessing game a little bit. So it's not the Cleveland Browns, right? Yeah, I I mean, I'm sorry, Brendan Bolin. Um, It's not the Cleveland Browns, and you you probably know – to watch them this year though. And I, you know, I mean, if you listen to this show, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to be tuning into Cleveland Browns games, but no, the team I have in mind is not the Cleveland Browns. Well, the Cleveland Browns shouldn't even be considered the dark horse because I, I went on CBS sports and the Browns are like the eighth favorite team to win the Super Bowl. So their odds are pretty good. I mean, they're like, um, I'm looking at it right now. The Browns are 18 to one. Those are actually pretty good odds out there. So the Browns should not be considered a dark horse team because, in my opinion, they're one of the favorites in the AFC. So let, let's close that chapter. All right, I'm going to take another guess, Ed. Is it the Titans? Because you were really excited about the Julio Jones trade. They've got A.J. Brown. They've got Ryan Tannehill. You're confident that the defense is going to be better. The Colts just lost Carson Wentz for possibly half of the season. So that opens the door for the Titans to just run away for that AFC South division. So is it Tennessee? It's not Tennessee. And the, the my concern about Tennessee is actually different than it's been in the past. And that's that my concern about them is the defensive side of the ball. All right. Uh, before I take a guess with the number three team and you reveal your team, is this team in the NFC or the AFC? It's an NFC, Give me a it's an NFC team. NFC team. All right. Well, I don't think the Rams should be considered a dark horse team either. That's not not my guess. I don't think it is. Would have picked the Cowboys. It's not the Cowboys. Jeez, I'm I'm already guessing. I mean, I'm I'm all out of choices out here. All right, Ed. You're somewhat close in a way when you say the Cowboys. Ah, so it's an NFC East team. But you don't make it a lot easier on me because the NFC East division is just wide open, Ed. So I'm just curious. I mean, will you go with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Will you go with Daniel Jones? Or will you go with Jalen Hurts? It's kind of an interesting one. There's no way you're going with Philadelphia, Ed. No way. New starter coming in and Jalen Hurts. Started only a couple of games. No way. I don't think you would choose Ryan Fitzpatrick either, even though I like their defensive line. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick taking his team to the Super Bowl, even though Washington did make it to the playoffs last year. I'm going to go with the Giants, and here's the reason why. You kind of gave me a clue, and I'm just going to go with New York here. You were a big fan of Joe Judge when you know he spoke at the podium last year when he took the New York Giants job. You know that Saquon Barkley is coming back. Kenny Galladay just signed. You know, you probably believe that maybe Daniel Jones can take his team and his game to another level. You know, they've had all these fights at training camp in New York, so the team is kind of fired up. You know, the defense is going to be better. So I'm going to go with the New York Giants. I think you're jumping on the bandwagon with Daniel Jones here. It's not that. Um, it's not that. Um, I actually think the the Washington football team. Just hear me out. Hear my reasons. You're, you're probably like, why, why, why? Number one, they've been a lot through a lot. They've got the drama story. You know what I'm saying? You know they've had the racist name, and so you know you know they they've taken it away and so forth. And this isn't a team that's been that's been there. I mean, they missed on Dwayne Haskins, but. They're really strong at the line of scrimmage, as you said. They have one of the best defenses in the league. I believe Ryan Fitzpatrick, when given the reins by himself, will actually be a very good quarterback and think he can win a Super Bowl. The other thing is, is like, you know, they have they have weapons on this team. Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and I, I like what they have in the backfield. Antonio Gibson, he's their number one. Jarrett Patterson, you know I liked him before the draft. To be honest with you, if there's a dark horse team, no one's talking about Washington football team. Washington was a great story last year with Alex Smith and them getting into the playoffs. Who cares if they were 7-9? and nine? They still won that division in the NFC East. I don't think Ron Rivera can get it done two straight years in a row. I don't think Fitzmagic has that magic this year. Did a great job last year with the Miami Dolphins, and when given the opportunity, when he steps in, he does well. But I do think that he's streaky. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick can have like three or four excellent games, and then he could just revert and make bad decisions for the next two or three games. I don't trust him. He's fun, exciting, but he's not exactly, he doesn't inspire confidence in me for the entire season. There's a reason why he's been a journeyman quarterback. I mean, he's been a quarterback for like 10 or 12 franchises out there in the past, what, 14, 15 years? There's a reason for that. And it's funny, you and Brandon Bolin actually think alike because last week Brandon and I debated who is going to win the NFC East division, and he said Washington for the same reasons that you did. I mean, he likes Antonio Gibson. He likes Terry McLaurin. He likes that defensive line. I said it's the Cowboys. It just has to be Dallas because, I mean, that defense can't be any worse. Your bad pick last year was the Cowboys. But I'm going to go with that bad pick again. I just, with Dak back, that defense can't be any worse. I mean, can only get better, a little bit, at least, and that's all they need. They've got a lot of weapons. Can Washington cover anybody? Like, I I worry about Washington in the secondary. I worry about Washington in the back seven. I think that's my worry. Their defensive line is probably the best in football, no questions asked. I mean, they go like five or six deep. They can get after the quarterback. But I just worry about Washington in the back half. I mean, how are they going to stop guys like Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Kenny Galladay? I think their secondary is 
is below average in my opinion. Well, when you got you know Chase Young in your face, being a second year player, I think I think that's that's your answer to that question. You did catch me by surprise, honestly. I didn't think you were going to go with the NFC East team first and foremost. I mean, you gave me a clue, and that's what led me to a team in the NFC East. But I thought you were going to, you know, jump on the bandwagon and go with Daniel Jones and and the Giants. I mean, you really surprised me. How many teams has Ryan Fitzpatrick taken to the playoffs, Ed? I think none. I mean, I mean, have you ever seen a Disney movie, Alex? Of course I have, but I live in the real world. I'm, I don't live in a, you know, watching TV and, uh, you know, you know, believing in these Disney stories. I believe in Tom Brady, but I don't believe in the in the Ryan Fitzpatrick. You don't believe, you know, the veteran, washed up quarterback playing with the the young stars and the great linemen. You don't believe in that. That doesn't seem like the kind of story that the NFL's put out the last 30 years. Only in a movie. I mean, Tom Brady wasn't washed up, but I believe in a veteran quarterback when he goes to a new team and wins the Super Bowl. It happened with the Bucks and Tom Brady. I don't think it's going to happen with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If he has shown me an ability to take an NFL team to the playoffs or make a run there, he hasn't done that. I mean, he's mostly been a backup. There's a reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick has been a backup quarterback. It's not because half of the franchises are dumb. It's because they don't believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick can carry your team for, you know, 17 games. I think he, you know, there have been so many times in his career where he's been a hot quarterback and then they've just taken him off. They've taken the reins. If I'm him, you know what, you know what the mistake Ron Rivera is making? He's having Tyler Heineke breathe down his back. I say what you do is you say, you know what, Ryan, this is your job. This is your team. This is your show. Everything you have learned to this point goes into this season you are the man take me to the super bowl all right uh, let's make a little bet uh, that my team will win more games than the washington football and what team. do you what do you mean by my team well i'm gonna go with the dark horse team that i think will go to the super bowl and i think this team will win more games than washington this season let's make a friendly wager nothing major 10 bucks on the table you know, I'll buy you beer when I see you next time, a couple of beers. I mean, that that's where we're going to go with. All right. Are you ready to go with that bet? Before I even announce my team. I mean, I, I consider a this dark horse a, a friendly bet. Friendly bet. We're, we're not gambling men. I'm not a gambling man. Although if, if if you want to, that's your that's your life choice. I'm not a gambler either, Ed. I don't make bets either, but we're but, just going to make to be honest with you, but, but, but to be honest with you, when you get me on football and you get my ego, I mean, I, I want to win this. So let, let me let me guess what your team is. Give me give me at least one hint. All right. It's also an NFC team. NFC. I'll give you three. I'll give you three choices. You, you can have three guesses just like I had. Okay. Also a dark horse team. This isn't going to be an obvious team like the Rams or the Browns. I mean, the the Packers. I mean, this isn't one of the favorite teams, right? It's also teams that are kind of in the rear in in that regard, fighting for a playoff spot. I don't know why my mind goes this way, but for some reason, I think you being an NFC West team, I think you you kind of see Russell Wilson. And I think I think I think Russell Wilson might be your choice. No, that is not my team, but it's a good guess. All right, you're not big on 
It's it's not the Seattle Seahawks. It's not the Rams. I think that's a West team. I don't think it would be the 49ers. You'd be way more happy these days if it was the 49ers. I think maybe the fact that the Cardinals picked up J.J. Watt, you're excited about that. You got it right. I mean, you picked a winner. I mean, if, if we've had a bell on this show, I mean, it would go zing, zing, zing. You got it right. There's no way I would go with the 49ers uh, just because, you know, it's my team. Even if they were in the dumpster, I would never put them out there like that. But, yeah, it's the Arizona Cardinals. I am a believer in Kyler Murray. I am a believer in that offense. I think they've compiled a lot of weapons around him. They might not have the running game, but they don't need it. I mean, they throw the damn ball so much out there. So with DeAndre Hopkins and that connection in the second year, I think that defense has gotten better in the last two years. It's not great, but I think it has gotten better. And it's not about J.J. Watt. You know, J.J. Watt is is going to have is going to make a difference in the locker room. He's going to inspire people. Uh, I'm not delusional where I think that he's going to get like 12 to 15 sacks this season. I do think that the Arizona Cardinals have improved overall, especially in the front seven. Um, I am excited about you know if Chandler Jones can put that contract dispute. He mentioned you know on Twitter that he wants to be traded. I hope that that dies down and he comes back and. And this team is, I think, is going to be a lot better defensively. But I'm a big believer in that offense. I think that the Cliff Kingsbury experiment in year three will reach its peak. I think the Arizona Cardinals are definitely a playoff team, and I am pushing for them to be that that dark horse team to the Super Bowl. All right, give it to me, Ed. Come on. I hear it, but I just, I don't think that defense is like Super Bowl worthy. That's my number one. I don't think they're great up front. Kyler Murray for me is like top 15, but he's not, he's not my guy that I go with to win a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm, you know, let's say like I'm a, I'm a head coaching candidate and I get a lot of options. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking about what quarterback I want to work with. I like Kyler Murray, but I don't know if that's, that's who I, that's who I want to work with. I mean, it, it takes a special kind of, you know, coach to wanna wanna try to do that with Kyler Murray. Hear me out. Here's the guy that has taken his game to another level in year two. First year, he threw for over 3,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Last year, he threw for almost 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Plus, you combine the running, his dual threat ability. You know, he is one of the guys that it's that is revolutionizing the game. He's still a thrower. He's still a passer. I mean, it's not like he's looking to run, like, first option like Lamar Jackson. But he is one of the quarterbacks that's revolutionizing the position. I'm a believer. I'm a believer that he's going to take his team to the next level. And I give you this. This is a really tough division because you have Matthew Stafford in the Rams. You have the 49ers with all the guys coming back from injury. You still have the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. This isn't a cakewalk right here of a division, the NFC West. But I do believe that the Arizona Cardinals are going to come out victorious. And I do think that they are going to be the ones that win that division in the NFC West. Don't think it's a popular choice because most people have the Rams, and rightfully so, especially when you look at those weapons that they have and the fact that they added Matthew Stafford. But I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. We're not looking at teams that are perfect here. Every team that we mentioned, Washington or Arizona, have a flaw. But you just have to roll with it. You know, this isn't an imperfect team, but I'm rolling with their offense. 
I think they're going to do it, and they're going to make a, a deep run in the playoffs. Interesting. Again, you guessed my team, but I didn't guess Washington. It's just you caught me by surprise completely. All my logic kind of went out the window. I thought I was going to guess it, maybe on the third try, and I guess I was close. But you caught me by surprise with Washington. But you and Brandon are Brandon Bolin. You guys are on the same level. You guys are are smoking the same thing right now because, I mean, you guys you, you guys are on the Cleveland Browns. You guys are with Washington out here. You guys are on the same wavelength, as they say. It's kind of a funny story about him. I mean, uh, I met him actually as my grocery clerk. But, you know, I, I told him, you know, I was interested in football. And, you know, they, they have, a, a you know, the grocery store, you know, what he's passionate about. And he says he's passionate about football. And so, you know, let's talk football. And it's kind of funny now he's our uh, – you know, now he's doing our show, and, you know, I'm excited for him. All right, Ed. Uh, we're going to put a wrap on this show. Uh, it's been fun having you around, and uh, you knocked off uh, some of that rust that you had from not being on the show for a month. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with you again. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Bloodscast. Take care, everyone.